Hello, and thank you for joining us on HearthCast, episode 316 for patch 6.2. We are a podcast about the world of Warcraft and the rest of the Blizzard universe. And now, from the excellence in podcast studios, it's time for another episode of HearthCast. This is Root. And this is Freckleface. Coming up in episode number 316 of HearthCast, a quick chat with Garrett from amove.tv, a possible mobile solution for WoW, and what to expect from a social gathering with WoW players. So, hey there, Root. Hello there, Freckleface. Tell me about your week in the Blizzard universe. Well, it wasn't as much as I liked it to have been. I really wanted to play some Diablos with you, and that didn't happen. No, I was sad about that. It just, it, I, I was really busy on Sunday with uh, this trucking rodeo thing. An actual rodeo? Well, that's what they call it. But uh-huh. It's not like they're riding their trucks around. I was really disappointed. You know? <laughs> I was like, we're going to see someone throwing off a truck. Yeah, let's go. So no, what it is. Oh. So, <laughs> I was demanding my money back. Yeah, I went in free. Oh. I had free food. <laughs> it back. Yeah, I had free barbecue, really good barbecue. It was a good time, but it was work-related, and that kept me out in the sunshine all day Sunday. And as many of us can attest to, that, that sunshine just takes it out of us. It's like, ah. Oh, yeah, it's exhausting. And so by the time I got home, I was just, I was I was done. I slept. Yeah, in the summer, I can go to the grocery store, right? And just going for my car to inside... And inside back to my car, I get home, I got to lay down. <laughs> I, th- I think you just don't want to unload the car. Well, that's <laughs> part of it. <laughs> However, I did get Fruit, my level 100 Blood Elf Mage. I got him through LFR. He got LFR Archimon oh, done. all the way through. Okay. And I was super... That happened like on a Wednesday or a third or Tuesday. It's a weird day for it to happen. Are you going to continue to gear him up? My goal for all my alts is at least a normal mode Archimon kill. So, yeah. Okay, so LFR first, normal next. Yep, just gearing up so I can get, and it's. I'm just going to pug it. It's not going to be anything crazy. I'm just going to be, you know, going into the uh, pre-made group finder and pugging a normal mode Archimon kill. That's it. I have no real yeah. desire to join a team. I'll fill in and fill in the blanks. You need a warm body? Yeah, here, that's me. What about you, Frank? How was your week in the Blizzard universe? It's a little slow. Don't know that I did anything uh, unusual, uh, but we were so busy with like actual meetups this weekend. Like, <laughs> we socializing. had a very, very big social weekend. We had a meetup at a uh, place here in Orlando called Cloak and Blaster, self-proclaimed pub for geeks. Well, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you walk into the thing and it looks like you're walking into an inn. Any inn on the Alliance side, I should preface. It's, I mean, it, they have a huge mural on the wall, which is a scene from one of the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. Or right next to, you know, Doctor Who cut out of the TARDIS. And Chewbacca. You go to the bathroom and the toilet's decorated like Game of Thrones. Well, yours was. Mine wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, Guess was, that's the women's bathroom. Was it the, the throne? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty yeah. funny. Because, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> We've been doing this wild meetup thing uh, for years now, and we just moved it over to this location, Cloak and Blaster, and I couldn't be happier. 
the food selection there is fantastic. The drink selection there is even it's wild. It's crazy. All this, the the specials they have are through the roof. The entire menu is Lord of the Rings themed. Or Harry Potter. Yeah, there's some Harry Potter. Yeah. And, there's some and other, their Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like some, I ordered the Lannister burger. Yeah. There's some other little things in there, but all that genre. Which apparently meant comes with peanut butter. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You, you had a peanut butter hamburger, <laughs> which is great. Really fun time. That was Friday night. Saturday, Frank, what did we do Saturday? In the Hearthstone tournament. We had the Florida Fireside Hearthstone yeah. tournament. That was awesome. Uh, Garrett from the Anger Chicken, he was up. We had a chance to sit down with him. That was cool. More of that coming up. Yeah, we had a 16-person bracket. Single elimination in Hearthstone. Right. Best out of five. Yeah, it was good. It was it was scheduled to be uh, 12 to 6. It's more like 11 to 4 because people started early. Yeah, and there was a few people who uh, got eliminated by 11.45 and they're out of there. Yeah, there's one couple that came in. A guy got in, lost his first match, got eliminated. He's like, peace out. I'm out. Later. Yeah. We're like, okay. Have, have fun downtown. We saw a member of our wild meetup group that we hadn't seen in forever. Brought her little baby with her. Yeah, it's uh, almost a toddler now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big smile on that kid. Oh, yeah, so yeah, cute. Yeah. It's so good to see them, too. Frank, I kind of misspoke a little bit about my week. Okay. Uh, because I have been doing garrisons on my phone. Did they finally come out with an app for it? No, they didn't. Now, I am debating internally whether or not I should relinquish and go get my now very, very rusty nail clippers from the back porch because they're still there. Yeah. If you remember way back when I made a deal, I said, I'm going to keep these yep. Uh, yep. clippers out here until Chris Metzen releases yeah. a, well, that never happened. No mobile game ever got released. However, I have not missed a garrison mission. Well, maybe missed a couple, but for the majority, I have been doing a lot of garrison missions through the work week. On my phone. And during our uh, outings, too. Oh, yeah. Well, well sorry. <laughs> you you noticed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Like, right, Root? What? <laughs> sorry, I'm busy. Uh, just, just making gold. It was one of those things where I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm busy doing my garrisons <laughs> on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> But no, Blizzard did not come out with this product. This is an existing product, a phenomenal product, in my opinion. I'm using it for more than just garrison missions. It is called Splashtop. And like I said, amongst other things, you can play WoW on your smartphone. And joining us here in episode 316 of Hearthcast to talk with us about Splashtop and other things is co-founder and CEO of Splashtop, Mark Lee. Folks, as promised, we are here with Mark Lee, the co-founder and CEO of Splashtop. Mark, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing really good. I know Splashtop has a couple different variants of it. For this portion of the interview, we're going to cover uh, primarily the Splashtop Personal Edition. And uh, we'll discuss different options that it has and the things we have available. I know we have enterprise IT professionals who listen to the show, as well as avid gamers, of course. And we can talk about how your product uh, can easily make their lives that much more enjoyable. Great, great. Look forward to it. Now, real quick, just so we get everybody caught up to speed, in a very small nutshell, Splashtop is a remote desktop uh, client on steroids. 
Uh, it is by far the best one I've ever used in my 20 plus IT career experience. And uh, I highly recommend if you guys don't have it, you're going to have to get it. As soon as this interview is over, you'll completely understand why you can you simply cannot live without this product. So, Mark, let's get to a little bit of the history of this thing. What prompted the creation of Splashtop? Exactly for the reason you highlighted, uh, you know, people want to have a very high performance remote desktop. Uh, from well, before Splashtop exists, uh, I have used uh, GoToMyPC and a few other uh, remote desktop applications, and they were really slow. Um, they don't offer audio a lot of times, they, uh, and let alone trying to stream videos. Um, so, you know, Splashtop was actually created in the era of uh, when actually when iPhone, iPad were just uh, starting to come out in the marketplace. And um, we were looking at these uh, new smartphone devices uh, and we thought, hey, uh, people will still store a lot of video files, photos, uh, and documents on their computers. Uh, you know, and uh, it will be very powerful if uh, people have a way to access all these uh, different files, media files, anywhere they go uh, with their mobile devices. So that's uh, really prompted the start of Splashtop. Uh, we first introduced on uh, iPad, actually, and then on iPhones, uh, very quickly on Android, Windows, and Mac as well, and as well as Linux. And actually, we have a, a browser-based solution, too. So um, so any device, uh, which actually means uh, Chromebooks is fully supported as well. So uh, our goal is to enable any device to have full access uh, to your computers. That just got me uh, excited on a whole different level because uh, I'm an avid Chromebook user as well. And somehow I missed the fact you guys had the web version. You do need to uh, download a Chrome web app. Uh, which is free, and uh, so you you will be able to. Well, after you install the the the, uh, the Chrome plugin, essentially, uh, you will. It is using uh, 264 H.264 media transcoding uh, capability. We use that across all our product lines. Oh, that's awesome! I, the, there you go with the audio and video compression with that. So I see where that's coming from now. <laughs> so yeah, that mm-hmm. go ahead. How long was Splashtop actually in development before you actually pushed it out to the public in general? Um, we first focused on iPad, iPhone to uh, Windows and Mac, remote accessing Windows and Mac. And that development, uh, uh, supporting those uh, four platforms, uh, or actually three, iOS considering one, but there's some UI obviously differences between uh, iPad and iPhone. Uh, that whole development took about uh, just over a year. Of uh, of uh, developments and optimizations. That is actually a lot shorter than I thought your answer was going to be. I was really expecting between a three and five year development cycle for this product, uh, which I guess just shows you how polished this thing is and how how seamless it integrates. So kudos to you on that fast development cycle. Uh, well, I guess kudos to our development team, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So were there any kind of obstacles that needed to be overcome by your development team prior to release anything that was really just kind of troublesome for them? Um, I think the biggest challenge or, well, um, in the past, remote desktop was, uh, you know, again, back to go to my PC as an example. It was largely PC to PC or, you know, PC to Mac, Mac to PC. It was computer to computer. Uh, when we start working on the iPhone, iPad, uh, one of the biggest uh, challenge was how do you deliver a good experience on a smaller screen, especially also on a touch screen. Right, so um, obviously, key, you know, PC, uh, Mac uh, are primarily keyboard and mouse. 
but uh, on the on the iPad, uh, let's focus on iPad. You know, um, it's a touchscreen. So, how do you translate touch? And there are actually two ways to emulate mouse. One is a direct touch. So, wherever you uh, a touch on your screen is like a mouse click. Uh, that's one approach. The other is to kind of like uh, everyone has a trackpad on their notebook uh, or ultrabook um, nowadays. And uh, the trackpad, you can move it into tra- trackpad mode and enable uh, a, a, a remote manipulating of the mouse controls. Um, you know, so we, we actually have been, well, we believe we're, we think <laughs> we are the very first app that's a remote desktop with a direct touch implementations. Um, and when you hold your finger for over two seconds, it becomes a right mouse click. As an example, we were the first to introduce that as well, as far as we know. So, so anyway, we um, and that obviously uh, really um, uh, was um, um, what well, we think is revolutionary in the market to enable a very uh, wonderful experience on uh, on the iPad and iPhone, and now Android uh, later Android uh, to to be able to fully control your computer as though you're in front of your computer. That is one of the things that I've really enjoyed. One of the things I've been doing here in the last couple of weeks is remoting into my home PC via Splash Top and actually playing World of Warcraft on there. Now I'm not just remoting in from my computer; I'm actually using my phone as well to remote into it. I've got a, a Nexus phone. So oh, okay. it's a decent size screen, but it is still stuff is very small. So I'm not saying it's something that is, and this is not a limitation on, on splash top at all. It's just how the UI works. And wow, I wouldn't want to sit there to try to read chat, but I have no problem doing like garrison missions and other things. So it is very, a, a completely seamless experience. Although I've got rather large hands and now the UI is very small. So I'm actually using a stylus now to get that done. And it's, and it works fantastically. So I absolutely love it for that. Great. On the opposite side, in development, we also have aha moments when the light bulb just comes on, things click, there's funny stories, something, everything just works and falls into place. Do you remember any like really cool stories about the development cycle? Probably less the development cycle. I actually was uh, a bit less involved on the development side. I'm uh, more the uh, marketing sales and company strategy side. But um, you know what I can share is yeah, actually as soon as we launch a product, what's been interesting was exactly your uh, I guess uh, thanks to your audience uh, in the wow space, uh, we start seeing video on uh, YouTube uh, showcasing uh, people playing wow from their iPad and iPhone, and actually that's 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 the aha moment for us actually uh, from product development perspective. Well, um, you know because all these words of mouth start getting out. Well, people can actually uh, 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 play all these uh, uh, PC games, uh, 3D um, intensive uh, um, uh, games f- uh, from their PC to their uh, iPad, streaming from a PC to their iPad. So uh, that and, and all these uh, YouTube views, uh, uh, video have uh, you know, 300,000 views, 200,000 views, etc. So. So people, um, well, instantly will realize that people uh, really enjoy the high performance of Sparshaw and uh, gaming, remote gaming is uh, really a, a, a desire by a lot of uh, iOS users. And that really also expanded our development in optimizing for gaming. So actually that led us to uh, work closely with, uh, started with NVIDIA. 
uh, you know, uh, optimizing for their GPU on, uh, on, on various PCs. So you know, NVIDIA actually gave us a, a special libraries uh, you know, back four or five years ago. Um, and these libraries later on have been released for other game developers, but we were, uh, you know, probably the first, if you know, if not one of the first, uh, uh, to access this library, which allow us to, if you have a GeForce uh, graphics card in your computer, uh, we can capture WoW in full screen mode, right? So typically, a lot of times, you know, to, to do screen capture, actually, WoW needs to run in Windows mode. For I think vast majority, if not all, remote desktop applications, but uh, with a special library uh, from NVIDIA, uh, we we can capture it in full screen mode. And then, furthermore, uh, you, you know we're able to leverage the hardware GPU accelerations to encode at very high um, high frame rate and low latency. So, in fact, uh, NVIDIA CEO was uh, so excited with our product, he was uh, showcasing our product at CES uh, keynote speech. Uh, back in 2012, and uh, he was actually using Sparse Talk to uh, uh, January two, 2012, I believe. Yeah, uh, it was remoting into um, a GeForce computer. Uh, actually, he was with a professional gamer, and uh, who was actually playing uh, using a NVIDIA Tegra Android tablet, uh, running Sparse Talk, remoting over Wi-Fi to a GeForce computer. Uh, playing Skyrim, actually, that was a game that was being showcased, and uh, and he was uh, slaying a dragon and uh, successfully uh, using a uh, sparse top. <laughs> so, see, so in my mind, I automatically think two things: number one, you don't want the application to to crash, but number two, you really want the guy to slay the dragon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good that. Uh, well, I guess he was in front of uh, you know many thousands of people. It was all working well. <laughs> Fortunately, when I was uh, showing some folks at our local wild meetup here, I was showing some folks uh, on my phone how I was remoting in and doing some garrison missions. And oh, okay. one, one of the guys started hitting me with all these technical questions about like, oh, how are you doing this? Or, you know, he just started firing like six or seven technical questions in a row off. And it was so wonderful for me to go, well, really, I just downloaded an app and it took me 10 seconds to set it up. <laughs> and I was like, there's really on for the user's uh, point of view, there's nothing technical to add to do. You log in, you put the the streamer on the computer you want to connect to, you put the clients on the other computers you want to, or devices you want to connect from, and that's it. It's it's very very simple, and that to me was the best moment of the night because then everybody else around the table who as soon as they see it, the first thing they think is, wow, this is some really crazy technical convoluted setup. And then we tell them, no, it's really just a couple programs and 30-second install and you're done. It changes everybody's viewpoint. So I'm really excited about, you know, letting our listeners know more about this product because I really think it is a game changer for those of us who still don't know about it. Thank you. Now, are you able to talk about approximately how many users you have across your entire user base using your product line there at Splashtop? Uh, we have uh, over 20 million downloads uh, of our remote desktop applications. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of the number of, um, uh, actual registered users, uh, it's about 15 million plus, uh, where, you know, they register with the Sparshop ID. And, um, so yeah, we, we definitely, well, every month we, you know, we got millions of users using the products and we're, well, it's not just for remote gaming, of course, but, uh, there's some business use as well as, um, uh, well, in all, all, all type of 
interesting usage models uh, uh, in, in using our product. Once you release a, a product that has a high performance remote access, uh, you get all type of all sort of uh, interesting uh, uh, feedbacks on how they're using uh, the solutions. Oh, I'm absolutely positive of that. And then you probably get those requests every day that if you could tweak it to do this for what you know for whatever reason. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Too. Now I did have a little bit of a hiccup with uh, the very first. I think it's on the second day that I was actually running the uh, client on my uh, my Nexus. It asked me for uh, a password that I hadn't set. So hmm. I was like, well, no big deal. Let me let me see what kind of support is available. And I haven't shared this with you yet, but the support that I received was five stars. It was across the board, had my issue resolved in a matter of one email. And it was like I just had, you know, it was an, an issue of uh, just a flag I had to set and then restart the application and I was done. It was that easy. Great, great. Glad to hear uh, our support team is uh, living up to, uh, to well, I guess, uh, you know, everyone's expectations, and hopefully we can keep it up. Uh, we do get tons of uh, requests every day, so we have a, actually, we, we have a U.S. support team and an Asia support team uh, working around the clock to answer them. And that was one thing I was going to mention is when I submitted that ticket, it was for the United States in the middle of the night. And uh, for me to get it resolved that fast was just mind-blowing because I thought for sure this is going to be I'll, – I'll find out tomorrow morning because I already knew you guys were on the West Coast. And I was like, I'm going to have to wait till West Coast time for me, I'm on, and I'm on the East Coast. But I was prepared for it because that's, you know, that's normal. And for me to get a response in, as fast as I did, I was like, oh, this, this is something special here. Great, great. Good to hear. Ho- hopefully our Asia team's uh, English was uh, okay too. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. It was absolutely great. Okay, great. Now back to the technical side. Approximately how many frames per second can Splash Top achieve? Um, it's really a, a couple of functions uh, impacts uh, the number of frame rates. Uh, uh, what On the PC side where we're doing the encoding, obviously we leverage uh, – Whatever hardware platforms uh, can uh, can support, whether it's uh, NVIDIA GPU or ATI AMD uh, GPU, and uh, and Intel chipsets has uh, various uh, hardware acceleration capability. We fully take advantage of those. Um, obviously, if you have a very old computers, um, it's, you know, and without much GPU support, um, it, it can be uh, very few frame rates. Uh, um, but you know, with today's uh, processors, um, it's not difficult to achieve 15 to 20 some frames per second. If you have uh, i three, but if you have i five and up, it's easily over 30 frames per second that so you can encode in just even using just CPU. Uh, if you have an NVIDIA GPU, uh, where we can leverage the hardware acceleration, so we can get towards 60 frames per second. Then it's a function also of uh, whether well, what's the available bandwidth. Um, obviously, if you're on a 3G network, uh, we're not going to be able to. We're gonna, that's going to be your limiting factor, right? So uh, you're trying to stream a video over a, a couple hundred k uh, pipe. Uh, you know, we actually are, that's the 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 secret sauce within our, our our products too. Based on available bandwidth, we dynamically change the proper amount of frame rates. Uh, uh, that's best optimized for user experience and also latency. So a lot of times it's the frame rate versus latency uh, 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 trade-offs that we have to balance as well. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's actually a lot of uh, engineering uh, optimizations through the f- past few years that we try to do the best trade-off of uh, frame rates uh, versus um, uh, latency. If someone is watching a video, uh, having fast frame rate or, or playing a game, frame rate and latency are most important. Um, and if you're, um, you know, doing Word document, Excel, PowerPoint, a lot of time, hey, resolutions is uh, critical for, uh, for productivity usage. Uh, so so that there's certain trade-offs that we dynamically adjust based on the, actually the usage and the application of the users too. So, so it does get into uh, quite a bit of different algorithm being applied uh, uh, based on um, what the user is trying to do. So what you're saying is your software can, can tell if I'm either playing WoW or if I am opening up a Word doc. And based on what I'm doing, it is going to give me the best performance it can possibly deliver based on what my needs are at that time. Correct. We have a version that does that. Uh, and then we have uh, manual adjustments. Uh, so if you're on an Android or iOS, if you do, I think, a three-finger finger tap, the menu should come up from the bottom and allow you to toggle between uh, smooth mode and sharp mode. Sharp mode is optimizing for resolutions. Smooth mode is optimizing for video playback. Right, so so that's one trade-off, and we have version that uh, allowed the user to dial some knob to uh, tweak it. But um, our our products uh, try to pre well based on your usage and be able to optimize for certain usage as well. That is awesome. Now, I, I know we're we're passing a lot of data between uh, devices across any platforms here. How do you guys maintain the security across those connections? Uh, actually, everything is uh, um, uh, encrypted using SSL, uh, AES, uh, 256-bit uh, encryptions. Uh, so, well, that's what uh, Charles Schwab's, all the different online banks are, are using. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite robust. Uh, and for business users, um, there's um, also, you know, Additional features like uh, it supports RSA tokens if you need it. Uh, integrate with IT backends for Active Directory authentication if you need it. Uh, so, so there's more bells and whistles uh, when you get towards our business enterprise products. Well, that, and that's just good. that's you know part for the course that is expected. What do you think, in your opinion? Is the future for Splashtop? Where do you, are there any new features planned, or anything cool or exciting or cutting edge you guys got in the in the bag that you just can't wait to release? Uh, I'll give you a, a, a preview of something that we haven't announced uh, nor share. Uh, I mean, specifically in the in the Splashtop personal space. Uh, yeah, we're looking to introduce a mouse that will work with iPad, iPhone. Oh uh, wow, that's gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's uh, working with the third-party uh, hardware guys um, because ourselves we're, we're a software guys. So, but you know, working with the uh, mouse uh, manufacturers, uh, we have uh, well, we have prototype running here uh, that you know now you can have a, a mouse to go with your iPhone and iPad um, while using Splashtop. And actually, uh, I guess there's a possibility even. Uh, moving towards a gaming controller, if you you know, for your iPhone, iPad, uh, while remoting to your PC, because that's one of the 
tough feedback too we get from people is yeah it's um um, you know, we do a soft overlay of uh, different gaming control. Um, so we have a gamepad features. Um, but, you know, having a mouse uh, is still, for certain games, is still very uh, valuable. So uh, I, I can tell you, I'm already going to be purchasing the, uh, I'm going to call it the Splash Mouse. So, <laughs> I'll already be getting one of those. So this, you know, sign me up, find me wherever line I need to stand in for that, because that's going to be, that'll be gracing my desktop here very shortly. Great, great. Actually, uh, you use Android, right? You say you use Nexus. Uh, I also have uh, Android. I'm sorry, I also have Apple products. I've got an iPad that has it installed on it as well. Oh, okay. So okay. Uh, I've got it. You know, I'm I am uh, I'm OS agnostic. I don't. I really don't care what's in front of me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> which yep. is another reason I love Splashtop because I've got Linux desktops, I've got uh, OS X, I've got Windows, I've got it all. So for it to be able to run cross-platform was a huge seller for me on a personal level. Great. Now, you said people often on a daily basis, actually, submit you feature requests. Where do people go to if they had a great idea that you guys might not have done or they don't see that you've done it yet? Where would mm-hmm. they go to submit those ideas? Um, we see the most from our uh, support form at our website, splashdot.com. At the same time, a lot of time uh, people yeah, click on uh, uh, email us directly. We have a fee- feedback at splashdot.com. That's uh, where we get a lot of requests. And obviously, uh, we um, some people actually know my email address and email me directly. <laughs> so because I, I'm out there too, uh, I have a, a Twitter handle and I, and, and people uh, tweet to me too. So um, and and, um, and Facebook, that's another uh, major channel uh, where people provide us feedback. So uh, we closely monitor all these uh, different uh, channels and venues, um, and we'd love to hear from you know, all of you who are uh, Spotify users uh, and have uh, uh, feedback for us and, and in improving the product. Now, when you talk about the product, one thing we need to make people aware of, it is not just the personal level. You do have a business level, which has more features. You've got a professional remote support, which allows help techni- technicians to access their customers' computers very easily. You have the inverse of that with uh, on-demand support which uh, is a great asset as well. You have enterprise level, you have classroom level, and then you have some other products in there. And I've been checking these guys out too. Uh, Mirror 360 allows me to mirror anything I've been using on my Nexus. So I mirror my Nexus phone on my desktop. Correct. Which I automatically uh, reached out to a friend of mine who is a app developer and showed him the product and said, you got to get this because if you're developing an app on your phone, what better way to demo it to your customer than putting it on a screen that you can then project to the front of a room? Exactly. <laughs> Great. Thank you. So that worked really well. And then the other one that I've used, and um, I believe there's already another person in our office using that, and that is what you guys have that's called the Wired X display. I don't know if you – do you guys call it Wired X or Wired Cross display or uh, – Wired X – yeah, Wired – X display, yes, correct. Now, the thing I liked about that is, like I said, I've got an iPad, and usually during the day, the iPad is sitting in my desk drawer doing absolutely nothing. And now it is hooked up to my computer, and I'm using it as a secondary monitor. So it is, you know, with, which is exactly what Wired X display does. You hook it up to your computer. It is now an additional monitor for your computer. So if you're not using your iPad during the day for anything productive, you know, a lot of people use it to watch YouTube or 
you know, play a game or whatever. You be productive with it. Use it as a secondary monitor. You get wired X display that does that. And so I'm gathering, Mark, that all these products are loosely based on the same technology. Correct. Yeah. So it's all based on the same core technology. You know, the business product adds more manageability knobs uh, for ITs. Uh, and obviously, a lot of people love to well uh, want to use remote desktop also for remote support. You know, we have ITs using it to support thousands of computers. Then, you know, once you, well, if you look at remote desktop, it's one to one, right? I'm accessing a computer, but when you expand it to be one to many, you know, I can share my computer screen uh, inside a classroom, you know, in the education market uh, that we also focus a lot around is a teacher can share the, the, the computer, the interactive whiteboard computer to every student's uh, desktops. Or in this, you know, we've been seeing a lot of Chromebooks uh, adoptions and iPad adoptions in schools. So teacher can instantly stream their desktop screen to, uh, you know, 30 students' uh, uh, devices inside the classroom. Uh, Mirroring 360 also augment that in, in that, you know, we're, we're optimizing for screen sharing across devices, and that's kind of our vision and goal with Splash Talk. Well, Mark, I can safely say you guys are, are exceeding your goals and expectations because you've got a phenomenal lineup of a product line here that is second to none. As a personal user right now, I'm only scratching the surface of this. Uh, it's really cool to be able to say I'm playing WoW on my phone, but this product does so much more than that. So I feel a little guilty about about you know, using your product just for that. However, I will say that I had to access something uh, on my home computer today, and at first I was sitting in my office and I was like, geez, I, I, how am I going to get this? And then I realized, well, you dummy, you've got Splashtop installed. Just go get it. And so I was able to do that, and that was a genuinely a lifesaver. It saved me about about a, at least over an hour commute back and forth from the house. So that was really cool to have there. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we hear story like uh, similar stories. Uh, I think some guy was uh, out at Grand Canyon and forgot to file his uh, tax. So he was <laughs> so so he had to remote home and say thanks to Splash Top. So he wrote a nice uh, letter to us saying we save him from. Uh, uh, failing to file tax. <laughs> not, not only that, I mean, you got to think about being the remote, because I've been in the Grand Canyon, and there's not a lot of access out there. Uh, but the fact that the guy felt comfortable enough to file his taxes using your product speaks volumes to the level of security you guys have right there. So that's phenomenal. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you? Like, uh, not you personally, but we'll say the company right now. If they want to get a hold of you on Twitter, or I know you guys have a Facebook page, could you share your social contacts with everybody? Actually, uh, I'm happy to even share my email address. Uh, I'm always out listening to uh, to to what our users have to say. So it's uh, Mark. Very simple, just Mark M A R K at swashtop dot com. That's my uh, email address, and uh, my um, my um, uh, Twitter is a uh, Chief Swashtop. So C H I E F. So as the uh, Swashtop Chief Evangelist. Um, so definitely, uh, feel free to outreach and, uh, love to hear from all of you. That'd be awesome. And do reach out to Mark and let him, uh, let, get, get more information about this product if you want it. And I tell you what, Mark has been generous enough to hand us a couple licenses for a year's access of Splashtop. There is a yearly fee for it, but it is pennies. It's like 16, 1695. It's like it's nothing uh, compared to what you're going to get out of it. 
But even so, Mark has handed us a couple licenses for this product. So if you guys want some of these licenses, uh, I think we're going to have to have you guys do a little tweet for us. Yeah, you're going to tweet, uh, I'm going to give it, uh, make sure I see it, so either HearthCast or HearthCast Root, and then tell me you want a Splashtop license. Uh, use a hashtag in the hashtag Splashtop, and uh, I'll give some of these licenses away to you guys. We'll, we'll do it that way. Sounds good. Awesome. Sir, I want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you even more for such an awesome product you guys have out there. And in a, it is really uh, – I know a lot of people already use it in the WoW community. I know I'm probably late to the game as a casual player finding this product, but I am, am more than happy to uh, spread the, the good word of this product, not just to the IT community, uh, but to everybody else, the business, the enterprises. I've got friends who run schools, so a lot of people are going to be hearing about this product over the next coming months. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, spreading uh, the world words. Uh, we'd love to well, get more feedback from uh, every user and uh, continue to improve. And hopefully uh, many of you will be uh, having an iOS mouse as well soon and uh, be able to play the WoW games uh, in a much more effective way. That's our goal. Awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Mark, thank you again for your time. Thanks. Hey folks, while you're online doing your online shopping, you can support the show just by using our referral link. If you go to hearthcast.com slash Amazon, you do all your shopping as normal, get your Amazon products that you love. The only difference is that a little bit comes our way at no cost to you. So if you want to support the show, just head over to hearthcast.com slash Amazon. Frank Mary mentioned in the show that uh, we spent Saturday at the Hearthstone Tournament here in Orlando, Florida. That is the Florida Fireside Hearthstone Group. We help manage that, which means I usually run around uh, doing setup, doing breakdown, moving tables, doing some manual labor. Sure. And when you have a, a downtime, I try to get you to play Hearthstone. And you say no, and then you run away and find something else to do. <laughs> There's always something to do. Yeah. Uh, making my rounds, making sure people are happy, make yeah. sure people get what they need, dealing with any kind of weird, odd complaints that might arise. And sometimes they do. It's no big deal. You, on the other hand, you do, you have a harder job. You have to check people in, get their battle tags, check their uh, submitted card decks, put them into the bracket, assign them a seat. You had to manage all that. It wasn't hard. I like to walk my people. They always came in looking lost. Well, well that's how you tell who they are. Yeah. You have to look. Or we've known them from previous uh, tournaments there. Good times. A lot of fun people. A good crowd. About 45, 50 people there. Wasn't the biggest one we've ever had, but it was a good, solid crowd. Nice people. Most of them stayed to the very end to watch the finale. What we do on that is we uh, hook up a computer to a large TV, and then the person logs into the Hearth, Hearthstone account and then watches each person. Spectates. Both. Yeah, spectates. Yeah. That's the word. And you see whatever you see what's going on. Except for what I don't like about that is I really think Blizzard should have a mode that flips the cars on the oh, top. Oh, I know. Yeah, it shows the cars, but it shows them upside down. It's a little annoying. Yeah. So I think they should have something that just flips it, like they do when you go to a Hearthstone tournament at Blizzard. Yeah. But I know it's done with cameras and overlays. I get it, but work on that, guys. Now we mentioned Garrett was there from the Angry Chicken. He he lives not too far away, the other side on the coast, and uh, he drove over here for the event to help out. And you and I, Freck, we had a few moments during the semifinal round to sit down and have a little bit of a chat with Garrett. And this is how it went down. 
So, Garrett, thanks for taking some time out of the busy day today. We're here at the Hearthstone Tournament in uh, Orlando, Florida, Fireside Tournament here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It is our pleasure. And uh, while you're here, we do have some Hearthstone questions for you. Oh, partic- I, I thought I was here to talk about, like, cooking. We or, could do that. Or animal care. <laughs> animal <laughs> cooking we could do, too. Uh, that, that, oh. that, that got dark real fast. No, it's like well, barbecue. You know, oh, you know, cows. That's right. Only the ugly cows. Ugly animals, obviously. <laughs> yeah, mean Not cows. Every burger yeah. I eat is a is a mean spirited cow. cow. It had, right, yeah, right, one, right. it did something bad to end yeah. up that way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now in all seriousness. <laughs> all right, well, Garrett, you are the uh, one host of Angry Chicken podcast. I am. So before the podcast, before Hearthstone came out, what made you decide you wanted to play Hearthstone? Uh, it's a fun story, actually. Um, when Hearthstone was announced at, I believe, PAX East. I thought it looked supremely lame. I was not excited for it at all. Okay. I was, uh, at the time, had this kind of reaction of, like, this is coming from Blizzard. Like, this is their big new their new game. Um, and I thought it looked kind of lame. But um, as I saw more and more of it, I got a little more interested in it. Uh, that Earlier that year, um, this is a fun story, uh, was the first time I ever played Magic the Gathering. I missed it entirely uh, during my youth, which I don't know how, because once my buddy kind of... Um, played crack dealer and gave me my first taste of magic i was like this is awesome how have i never played this before <laughs> so uh, even, while i was um left kind of disappointed after the original announcement of hearthstone the more and more i looked into it the more i was like okay no this is actually looking like it's a pretty solid card game um and then really what sold me on it was i was i was very fortunate and i got into the beta and after one game i was hooked uh, i mean you guys know you played it it's it's so well designed yeah, and so you got hooked in that before you really had kind of built up a magic collection or anything like that. Yeah, you know? well, I, I had had my magic collection going at that point because I don't think the beta started until the end of the year. So I had almost mm-hmm. a full year of playing magic and I played in my first few pre-release tournaments for Magic Gathering and started really getting into that. Um, but yeah, w- once I got into the beta for Hearthstone, I just found myself just always playing it. Okay, um, yeah. And do you, are you still play that frequently? Like I know you podcast about it once a week. Like, Do you play every day? No, there's there's definitely I kind of have my like, my days. I have like my Hearthstone days. I have my Heroes days. Uh, sadly, I don't have my Overwatch days for right now, but that's about to change because yeah. the game will finally release. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> but I was lucky enough again to be in the beta for that game as well. So I had like my week. I kind of divvy it up depending on what day my podcasts are. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, cool. Well, uh, Tuesdays Overwatchers. So I'll play Overwatch on Tuesday. It'll be my Overwatch day. Um, you know, I'll play Hearthstone Monday and, and Tuesday morning, getting ready for the Angry Chicken and. Usually Wednesday will be my Heroes Day, and then weekend is just whatever I feel like. Sometimes I cheat on Blizzard and play the Division. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't talk about that on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as far as Hearthstone goes, what devices do you play on? Is it like strictly Uh, PC? Almost strictly PC. I I really don't like playing it on mobile devices unless I have to. Why is that? Uh, Because when I do play Hearthstone, I want a ladder, and when I want a ladder, I want to be keeping track of my stats. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's it's so hard to keep track of your stats on a mobile device. Are you talking about like mentally, or do you have? Uh, no, I have. I use um, I use a, a third party application uh, called Hearthstone Deck Tracker. Okay. So I have statistics for my win loss for the season for each deck individually. It has a your, your deck tracker, which will show you how many cards are left in your deck, what cards they are, what cards your opponent played. Yeah. Some people call it cheating. Um, I don't yeah. care because I like it. It's information <laughs> that is available to you if, if you're just paying if I, attention. Yeah, if I wanted to be diligent, I could just write all this down. Right. Um, so it's just right. it's just making my life a little easier. Really, yeah. for me, the big thing is is I just like to keep track of my win rate with decks. So I, it, it makes it easier for me to know when I should stop playing. 
playing a deck. It's like, all right, I'm starting to get close to a 50% win rate. And so if I start to get too close to 50%, uh, it's yeah. time to just try something new. See, I just know it's time to switch my keyboards on the ground. You know, my foot's on it. <laughs> That's <so>. exactly <laughs> how I used to uh, play Hearthstone. That's the other thing. It actually yeah. has kind of helped subside my my like, my like gamer rage. Okay, like, so you well, don't I, get to that point. I have hard math to look at now. It's yeah. like, well, is it really going bad or am I just having a bad day? Because there are okay. days where it's like, man, I lost so many games. But I'll look at it. It's like, well, no, I'm still at a 63% win rate with this deck. I'm just having an off day. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So it, it kind of helps you keep you calm. Yeah. What card would you think, you know, kind of a more silly question, but like that amuses you the most? Mm. Like the battle cry, the animation. Oh, uh, it's definitely just... an, it's an Oyotron. Yeah. I love an Oyotron. Oyotron <laughs> makes my heart smile. Yeah, I have him on my phone there. As a notification for some things. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> hello. 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 So along the same veins, what do you think is one of the cheesiest moves someone can do in Hearthstone? Uh, that changes all the time, man. It depends, you know, what expansion you're playing. I used to be like, if I saw a face hunter, I would BM you so hard. <laughs> uh, if, if I knew I had you, you would have to sit through every emote in the thing. I would rope and then murder you because oh, wow. I hated yeah. you so much. <laughs> um, and that I, I don't think anything has ever inside of my rage as much as a face hunter. I know for some people it was Secret Paladin. Uh, I may have been biased because I actually played Secret Paladin. <laughs> so maybe that's why it didn't make me so angry. Um, right now, I feel like it's probably aggro shaman. Like it's it's just a re- it, it's such an efficient deck. It can it can blow you out so early on uh, that it does seem pretty cheesy. But I don't know. I've been with it so long now that's like can't really fault people for playing good decks. Sure, it's, it's, yeah. it's hard. And honestly, every now and then I, I, I'm known uh, for being a fan of control style decks. But every now and then I you know it's like no, I want to play something fast. I want to have a bunch of little dudes on the board. Let's just go. So yeah. yeah. You can't stick to one type of deck, at least not in Hearthstone. It gets boring fast. Are there any types of decks that you just would rather not play, you avoid as much as possible? Um, like any particular classes? I, I, def- I don't want to go up against Agro Shaman if I can yeah. help it. Um, yeah. I really don't. Uh, and, and again, it kind of changes with my mood. Like if I'm just like, all right, I've got like three hours. I just want to grind the ladder. I hate seeing Warrior. It's like, oh, it's going to take forever. <laughs> oh, why? But there's other days where I'm just like, I just want a good game. And then I'm really excited to see Warrior. It's yeah. like, all right, we're going to have like a chess-like match. We're going to go back and forth, especially if I'm also on a control deck. Uh, I, I kind of dig that. I love seeing it at tournaments. Um, just last weekend was DreamHack. And there was a, a phenomenal Warrior versus Warrior. I think it was... Chalky versus Jasm, if I remember correctly. It was two control warriors playing against each other. And I was seeing Twitter, and I was like, oh, my God, armor up pass. This is the worst game ever. And I'm like, no, no, you need to. It's actually one of the most fascinating matchups in the game. They're on ten cards every turn, and they're having to figure out what is the least valuable card to play so they don't burn one card next turn because they're saving all their, their control cards because they know the first person that starts playing minions, it's just kind of this tidal wave of control from there on out. Right. And it was, and you could tell, you could tell, like, within the first few turns that Chalky had been in that scenario way more times than Jasm because he, he played it perfectly. Jasm played it really well, too, and it was a close game. Uh, but it was, it was really interesting watching Chucky. It's like, okay, yeah, he's he has been here before. There you go. All right, so the flip side of that question uh, would be, what is your ultimate deck to play? Oh, if you tell me to throw down, hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. Right now, it's it's tough right now. If you had asked me before... Uh, before Whispers of the Old Gods, it would have just been mid-range Paladin. That is always the deck I go back to. 
But at the moment, mid-range is just not that strong. You're much better yeah. off playing him as off-paladin. Um, which honestly, I'm I'm not I, I'm not well. Pra- I don't feel I'm well practiced enough with any deck right now to like make a call. Yeah, but, um, it's really early. But if you tell me to throw down, I'd yeah. probably just be like, all right, I've got uh, I've got aggro shaman, I've got uh, I've got Nazoth paladin. Um, I've I've been playing Koyuki's aggro paladin a little bit too, which is also really fun. I don't think it's as consistent, but uh, I like playing fast paladins. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you played World of Warcraft before? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back no. in the day. Oh, I've been. I still play. I've been playing okay. since vanilla. All right. Yeah. Now, they're always coming out with new cards. Is there anyone in particular that you would love to see as a Hearthstone card? Arthas. Arthas. Absolutely. Yeah. We need the Lich King in uh, Hearthstone. How would you envision his card being? Oh, it, it, I don't know, but it just has to be objectively wonderful. It has oh. to be just a heartbreaking. It needs to be a bomb. Arthas needs yeah. to hit the board, and and you need to curse. Curse hitting that queue up button, <laughs> <laughs> like I, because uh, and and we've seen some. What that's kind of what I like about old gods is there are cards in old gods that are just objectively bomb cards, and we really haven't seen a lot of that other than Doctor Boom, yeah. Uh, up until this point, a lot of like legendaries are kind of just you know, they've all they're good, but they're good in certain scenarios. You still have to kind of build around them to make them work. Right, you have to put them out like you know it'll be good at, if it's out for a few turns. Exactly, yeah. but now we're getting cards like Cthune. Um, I mean, three of the four old gods are very good cards. You have Cthune, mm-hmm. you have Nazoth, you have mm-hmm. Yogg-Saron. Y- you know, Yogg-Saron is a bit of an elaborate coin flip, but it is a bomb. It can complete. It can win you the game if you're losing. It has the, yeah. at least the chance. Right. Now, it can also cost you the game if you're winning, <laughs> but it, it is just it, the power level in that card is just insane. Um, and that's what I really like. So I hope going forward when, when, uh, when the Lich King finally gets his representation in the game that, that he'll be that, that type of bomb. That, you know, it will live up to the reputation of one of the most famous characters in the history of Warcraft. I can just see him turning all the cards on on the playing field into Scourge and yeah, yeah, turn them yeah. into his yeah. army. I guess it'd be tough. And yeah. he has like a special um, a special greeting when he uh, plays against Jaina, or like when Jaina plays him. Like if he's a neutral oh, card, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uther yeah. too. Yeah, it's just exactly. like, I thought I killed you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> he has some kind of daddy issue going on and. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to see a Death Knight class, but the more and more Team 5 does interviews, the less and less it sounds like we're ever going to get a new class. Yeah. All right, so where is the weirdest place on this planet that you've ever played Hearthstone? I don't think I have an entertaining answer for that. I play at all typical places. Being antisocial at Christmas? <laughs> that's a good one, though. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's... Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty... Ca- I honestly, like I said, because I dislike playing it on mobile so much, I don't really kind of end up... I don't go out of my way to, to play when I'm kind of out and about. If I'm out and about, I'm usually doing something. usually happy to be out of my office. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Even, like, when I come to these firesides, I end up just kind of ta- talking to people more often. Cause mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, I play games all, all week. Let's, let's, let's be social. There you go. So, yeah, yeah sadly, I don't really have a fun, no. uh, fun answer for I that. I like the Christmas one. It works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, last thing I'm going to ask you, you know, they just came out with standard mode, which would theoretically make it easier for a new player to catch up. Yeah. You know, since they uh, kind of did away with all the older expansion types. So what advice would you give for a new player or oh, someone who's boy. coming back into it? Um, I would say don't underestimate uh, Cthulhu because right. you, you're guaranteed to get one. Um, and if you're watching all the tournaments right now, you're probably not seeing any, very few, if any at all, Cthulhu decks. Uh, especially again, going back to DreamHack from last week, there was no Cthulhu, no Cthulhu to be seen. Um, but it, it, it's still it's a strong card. It's a very strong card. If you are on a budget, if you're a free to play player, uh, getting 
uh, a legendary, you know, on turn ten that does that has the potential to do as much damage as Cthulhu can achieve is, is, like I said, it's a bomb card. It is a bomb. You know, might not be the best tournament card in the world, but it can still absolutely help you work your way up the ladder. All right, now before we rejoin the crowd over here because they are wrapping up the tournament, they're about to be in the finals now. Oh snap! Yep. <laughs> uh, you and and I and Freck and a bunch of other people are going to be doing something here in Orlando coming up pretty soon. Yeah. So we create con. Oh, is that, oh what, is, what is that? Why don't you tell us exactly <laughs> what CreateCon is? Uh, yeah. So um, July 30th, it's just the last Saturday in the month of July. We are, uh, and by we, I mean the, my, like, you know, my website, amove.tv, which is home to the Angry Chicken and to the Nexus and all the other podcasts that I'm a part of. We're putting on our own little con. You guys will be there. Hearthcast will be there. Live recording of Hearthcast. As, all, as well as a live recording of the Angry Chicken, Into the Nexus. Tom Merritt from Daily Tech News Show is coming out. We're going to be doing our Star Wars podcast live with Jenny Josephson. Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young are coming out and doing a live episode of Night Attack. We'll probably be closing out with that, so because they're a little blue, we'll send the kitties home early and uh, and get our cuss on. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a full day of podcasts. We're also gonna have a panel talking about kind of how to how to get into podcasting once you grow it, how to help monetize it, how to use tools like Patreon and whatnot. So if any of that, any of what I just said interests you, if you're a Brian Brushwood fan or a Tom Merritt fan or a Hearthcast fan or an Angry Chicken fan, this is absolutely the convention to come out to. Uh, so not to mention, fun little perk: we are minutes away from Universal. We're like ten minutes away from Disney. So if you you know if you're a Harry Potter fan, if you're a Disney fan. You can uh, make a little trip out yeah, of it. I know. Kind of Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be hitting the parks the day after CreateCon. So come on out. Come to the parks. Have a good time in Florida. And uh, bring a white T-shirt and a bathing suit because you're going to want to jump in a pool. That's true. Yeah. Very good point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But for uh, tickets and details, folks, uh, head on over to createconvention.net or just search for CreateCon on Eventbrite. Awesome. We are looking forward to that event. We're looking forward to seeing everybody there. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Well, man, thank you for taking a little bit of time out and sitting down with us. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you for this amazing mobile rig. The, uh, it'll be lost on the audio listeners, but uh, <laughs> guys, you don't understand You don't understand Root's setup. This man has the best toys. I am so jealous. Oh, thank you. Well, he takes pictures, so we'll be up on Twitter. Sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. It's such an honor to have you on. Oh, yeah. thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Anytime. Frank, we've talked a whole lot about social groups and meeting other people who play like games. The WoW meetup, the Hearthstone tournament. And it's something that we have talked uh, in depth about on these shows before on the podcast and years past about getting out and finding like-minded people to socialize with. But we understand the nature of not just this game, but a lot of games and gamers and in a very general sense, a hugely general sense, may not be the most IRL sociable people. So we thought we throw together a little bit of a primer, get you guys going, so you get a little bit of a understanding of what's out there and how to deal with it. So this WoW social groups, this is the primer for you guys and gals out there. First thing you want to do is find a group. Google, that's your friend there. You can look for WoW Meetup Group, then put like your city name, like if you live in Austin, Texas, it's Google WoW Meetup Group. Austin, Texas. See what comes up. Likewise, you can do the same thing with Facebook groups. However, a lot of times those have a larger regional demographic area. But from time to time, you can find a local Facebook group that deals with World of Warcraft or any other Blizzard game. The thing to remember at Meetup is they have changed their pricing recently. 
So if you've looked for a meetup group near your area and couldn't find one, you might want to check again. Because they used to charge for every single group, which really limited the types of groups that were there and the amount. And they recently changed it so that any group I think is under 50 members is free. And it's only until you get to that point that they start charging. So if you're looking for something smaller or like there's there's been an influx of the types of groups that show up a meetup because of that free level that's been added in there. Also, don't let a large number of a of people who are part of that group dissuade you from going to an actual meetup. Look at their actual meetups that they have listed because you might find like our group has over 400 members and roughly 20 to 30 of those members actually go to any of our group meetings. So look at that number instead of the overall group number. Now, you can also look on Twitter for people in your area. Does anybody else play World of Warcraft in Austin, Texas? Be surprised. And don't forget, you can always ask in your server. There's that, you know, the general chat. You can ask people where they're from, and you can find people that way. By far, I think the easiest way is meetup.com, but well, to each their own. Now, once you join that group, you want to ask them what their normal routine is. If it's not posted anywhere, like, hey, we meet on the second Fridays of every month, ask them what their normal routine is. Hey, when do you guys meet? And more importantly, what do you do at those meetups? Is this a meetup that I would bring my gaming laptop to to play games with you guys? Do we meet at a particular gaming location? Because there are locations that have they're set up for people to bring their laptops to or use existing computers there. And play games together. Those, those places exist and those meetups exist. So find out if it's one of those types of meetups. Do they meet online? Do they meet in someone's home? Do they meet at a public location? Find out all these things. There are a couple of meetup groups that I belong to that are gaming groups that meet at people's houses. And that's cool. And that's their thing. If you bring your computer, you can play these games that they're playing. They have Hots Nights. They have Hearthstone Nights. They have all these cool interactive game nights. Is it more of a social group? Are they having dinner? Are they having drinks? Are they watching movies? I think ours falls into that category right now. We tend to be a more social group. Yeah, find out from your group, you know, what they're into, you know, because you want to make sure that you kind of fit that mold. You also want to find out if there are any donations for the group. Is it free for you to be there? Do they ask for donations? Do they require donations? Is it an RSVP that you have to pay $7 for? And also keep in mind that that might change meetup to meetup. In other words, event to event. One event might be completely free. Another event, they might have reserved a venue that's going to put a ticket cost to it, and you might have to RSVP and purchase something to get into that event. So now you're in the group. Congratulations, you found your group, you've joined it, you're part of the group. Now comes the hard stuff. You need to get to know the group, and the group needs to get to know you. This is a two-way street. There's a little bit of etiquette involved here. You don't want to be the person who shows up day one Screaming, for the horde! You know, you, you didn't want that. And the difference is that when you're in-game, you might play both sides. But when you're playing horde, you're only interacting with the people that play horde. Yeah, it's perfectly acceptable to yell, for the horde. For the horde. In or your horde guild. And then you're killing alliance. And you, you tend to forget that there's plenty of people who either play both or, or even if people are decided on one faction, when they get together as a group, you're focusing on your commonality not the differences. Right. So you want to be inclusive and not exclusive. So don't, you know, don't come in choosing sides. Mind your P's and Q's. Uh, don't run in, you know, dropping colorful metaphors as uh, Mr. Spock said from Star Trek. In other words, watch your language, keep it clean until you know the group. Watch for little ears, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. It's not necessarily a place to brag about your accomplishments. Not on day one, especially. No. 
if you have done something cool in the game and people are talking about what they've done that week and you did something cool that week, like you just got some cool shipyard mission, you hear us talk about at the top of the show what we've done. It's fine, but don't come in and be like, I've played this game since Technical Alpha and Vanilla. Been playing for 23 years. Been playing before Chris Metzen even thought of the idea. (laughs) (laughs) You're meeting people of all different skill levels. You know, sometimes I think I'm really hot stuff in Hearthstone because I'll get on a win streak. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, my deck is so good. I am so good at Hearthstone. Then I go to these meetups. (laughs) (laughs) There's people who I've met from there. They're on my friends list that regularly are on rank five or above. Wow. Yeah. So imagine if I had shown up bragging. I'd have hit in my place pretty quickly, wouldn't I? Um, yeah. If I'd take an attitude about it. I think one of the worst examples of that kind of attitude is when you have people who are very passionate about one aspect of the game. For some reason, it usually centers around PvP. And you'll get people who claim PvP is broken or PvP is the best thing and you should level only doing PvP in Battleground. It's like people are very passionate about aspects of this game. And that's fine. Just remember that your passions may not be somebody else's passions and there's going to be some give and take in this and in any kind of social situation, but especially one of these. You need to be aware that in these meetup groups, social cliques may already exist. So people might be telling inside jokes. Or saying things you don't quite understand, or phraseology, or words. You just like, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, or making references to things that happened, times past. Yeah, it's perfectly funny to them, and fine to them, and it's okay to talk about it, but if you don't understand it, just wait. Be patient. Be persistent. Keep coming back to the meetup group. Don't be like, (laughs) I didn't understand a thing they were saying, and walk away, and never come back. But you can also pick up in vibes and go, is this a group I want to hang out with? Because you're looking at more than just, are, do these people play WoW? Do we have the same interest? It's, do we have the same sense of humor? Do we like the same things? As a rule of thumb, I normally give a meetup group four times. So if they're meeting once a week, it's, you know, okay, it's four, four weeks. If they're meeting once a month, it's four months. I don't base my opinion on the first meetup and only meetup I go to. Every meetup has an off night. Something just doesn't click right. Somebody's not feeling well. Maybe there was a presenter that's supposed to show up that didn't show up. Bad service at a restaurant. Everybody had a bad day at work. Who knows? All these factors come into it. So I never base my opinion on the first one. I give them, you know, four or five times. And if it's worth it, I'll stick around. And if it's not, I don't stick around. A lot of meetup groups aren't going to open up to a new person, fully open up to them. They're going to be welcoming, of course inviting and have fun and talk about some commonalities. What do you play? What, you know, what is your favorite class? What's your favorite this? But they're not going to open up that door fully. You almost have to be like, I was going to say attuned. You're like, you got to get that key. (laughs) (laughs) You have to pay a little bit of time, come back to a meetup a second or third time, let the meetup group get to know you as a person and you the group. And then you'll start to get these little inside jokes. You'll start to be welcomed into the inner circle of the group, if you will. The problem with every meetup group is that they have one-hit wonders. People will show up because they saw something. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. Never see them again. Well, anytime you try to get into a new social group, you have to put in the time and effort. You almost have to prove that you're there for real before people will start taking you seriously. Yeah, give a little. Bring a cake. No, I'm kidding. Don't. <laughs> that would be weird the very first time to not bring a cake. You know, honestly, and that's true with any social community. Yeah, don't bring you know. cakes. No, you should always bring cakes. Oh, not the first time. Not the first time? No. Well, I, I just meant 
you might not feel welcome the first time you show up to a new group, particularly if people are already in a, a particular rhythm um, or a particular way they have interacting with each other and, and you show up as a new person. You might not feel like people are going out of their way to get to know you. You can't just walk in and go, these are my peeps. I'm home. Now, you may have that feeling. Come back again and again and again and pretty Regularly. soon. It's fulfilling a pattern. If you come back sporadically and people never know when to expect you or not, then they probably won't be looking for you. If you establish a pattern of showing up, then people go, oh, well, where are they at tonight? On that, on your first time, don't start asking for people's battle tags and email and contact information and phone numbers. That'll come. That will come. Most wild groups that I know of exchange that information, but only on a, you know, that, that list will be made available to you once you've been vetted. You know, once everybody goes, all right, uh, that freckle butt person. Hey. <laughs> they're, they're kind of cool. Yeah, let's go ahead and give them a list. Yeah. And they'll approach you. They'll go, hey, freckle butt, uh, we need to get your, your real ID and your battle tags. So we can add you to our cool email distribution list here. You want to be genuine. You want to be honest. You want to be respectful. We kind of alluded to it before where there's some inside jokes that take place where some people, like I get teased a lot and it's fine. It's fun. It's all in good fun. But if I get a new person that comes in that I don't know from Adam and they try to pile onto that joke, it's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. No, it's not done out of love. Uh-uh. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to talk that way to me yet. Yeah. You know, there are certain steps in rituals that must take place prior to you being able to speak to me in such a manner. Don't, don't jump on that tease bandwagon or the inside joke bandwagon or any other bandwagon. Just meet up number one, you're doing recon. You're observing and you're sharing. That's it. Now, that being said, if you are observing and you are you know sharing of yourselves and, and passing and exchanging information, if you have a question that comes up, by all means, ask it. You know, once you've introduced yourselves to everybody there and you know who the meetup organizers are, something that comes up that's kind of weird that you don't understand or you know, like, why is this happening? Ask. There are always these little unwritten rules that are going to be inside of every social organization. There's the stuff you see on paper when you sign up, when you look at the meetup group, this is what we do. And then when you get there, there's the unwritten codes. Hey, why is that guy wearing funny hats? Is that a thing? Am I supposed to wear a funny hat? No, no, no. You're fine. You're cool. He wears funny hats. You're fine. (laughs) That's him. That's his gig. You're good. Now, the group might be open to other social events. Like, hey, guys, the fair's coming to town next week. Anybody want to go? That kind of thing is fine. Don't be so forward about it. Like, hey, I'm going to the fair. Y'all going to this? Y'all, if you're not going to the fair, you're really missing out. You guys are lame. You know, don't be forward about it. And if you want to have something at your house, you want to have a meetup at your house, cool. Not on the first time. That's one of those things you really need to earn. Because if not, that just comes across creepy. Like the first night you're there, oh, you guys are pretty cool. You want to have a meetup at my house? Is your last name Manson? I don't know. I don't want to go to your house. <laughs> you know? Just that's one of those things you just you wait on. You know, a month, month or two after you're in the group, hey, you know, think about doing this thing out of my place. Oh. All right. You know, as an organizer, I will say one of my pet peeves is people asking me to do events when they haven't shown up in a year. Oh uh, yeah. And you know, don't don't put extra work on me. Don't suggest a place that is a mile away from where our normal meetups are. You know, if you can't be bothered to come out to those, if you don't care enough about our group to come to those, but you want us to go somewhere else, like, why would I do that? But it's different if someone were to be offering to host something. If you want to host something, sure, you're taking the burden off me. 
if you're making a suggestion for a place, now I have to figure out when's the best time to schedule it. Does this place get crowded? Do they take reservations? Do you need reservations? Who's it appropriate for? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. There is. It's not just, hey, guys, I think it'd be really cool if we all went to this restaurant. Well, you show up with a group of 40 at that restaurant, you overwhelm the restaurant, you're having a bad night. Nobody's going to be happy. Everyone's going to get lousy service. It's just not good. Yeah, and for me, it just comes down to more of somebody, it's how they phrase it. If someone asks the group, hey, have you guys ever been to this place? People say, yeah, I've been there, and it's eh, it's, it's fine. You know, or, well, we're thinking about going there as a group, then it's solved. But to come into a group that you're new to and say, I think we should go do this. I think we should meet here. And you're not involved in the process of planning that. Then it just kind of comes across as imposing on the group when you're not familiar enough with their culture and what they do. So another problem that I've seen in these uh, social groups is uh, some people immediately looking at it as a place to find a date. This ain't Tinder. Now, granted... It's not that you can't find somebody to date in that group. And if you are looking for someone, it is good to find someone who shares the same interest. But don't go there with the purpose of picking up somebody. You know, go there to make friends. If something blossoms out of a friendship, then fantastic. But it puts everyone on edge when, you know, a guy shows up and when the girls are out of earshot, starts asking about the girls. Mm-hmm. Well, now that puts everyone on edge. Because, you know, that's your friends that he's talking about. So that's, so you're going to feel you know, protective that some new person is coming in and trying to, you know, scope them out. And then the girls feel on edge that they're being checked out and talked about by this new person. We're here to make friends, occasionally talk about World of Warcraft. Yeah. That brings up a point. A lot of times these meetup groups you go to, they're, they're like ours, a social group. While it is a wow meetup group. Not 100% of the topics are wow. Oh, definitely not. It could be wow. It could be a sports team, the latest breaking social media news, a movie that's coming out. Although often it, it t- the conversation tends to go around nerdy type topics. Sure. Because the same people who play wow also watch Game of Thrones, for example. So maybe the conversation goes to that, you know, because th- those are both in the same genre of type of entertainment. And even people who like to play WoW and like to talk to people play WoW, there's only so much they can say about it. Now, when you're asking questions and you're new, and anytime you ask a question to the group organizers, be prepared for that answer to be no. You know, because you might have a pretty decent idea, but if you bring it to them, and Frex already said phraseology is very important, if you bring it to them the wrong way, the answer is going to be no immediately without discussion. You You guys should... Is going to be a no. <laughs> yeah, don't bring me a problem. Bring me a solution. If you suggest some place and say, I'll call. I'll see what the reservation policy is. I'll see when a good time for a group to come is. Sure. Because you're taking on that burden for yourself. Right. But if you come to me and say, you guys should meet on, on Friday nights because I can't do Saturdays because I work. My answer is going to be, hey, okay, I have 50 other people here that are making it to Friday nights. I am not moving it for you. No. Not that we're not open to that type of thing, you know, if if we're noticing that we're having low attendance on a Friday night, and that's part of the reason why we ended up switching it to Saturday is, is we would notice people would be late, they would show up kind of stressed out. Because of traffic. Because traffic. Because it's horrible. It is horrible. It really is. 
So you try new things and, and don't be afraid to, and, and don't, don't, that's not earth shattering for your meetup group to change its date as regular date, even if, if it even has a regular date, to change that around a little bit. That's normal. Now, just as anything else, there are going to be some personal issues that are going to arise because people are people no matter what. Sometimes things just don't mesh. You may not get along with somebody. Talk to the group organizer offline. In other words, don't make a big fuss about it right there in the middle of everybody. That is not the place for it. Send them a private message. If you have their information, email them. If you see them off to the side, talk to them. And it might be that the group organizer is already aware of that issue and they've already handled that issue or they're working on handling that issue or they may not even be aware of it. And maybe it's just not the group for you. So there's all the, it's very political, sadly. It's, there's a very political side to running a meetup group. You know, one person's attitude might offend a lot of people, but at the same time, that one person's attitude might not offend the majority of people. And sometimes it's a lesser of two evils. Or sometimes you just have to tell that, that person needs to be told, hey, you need to tone it down. You're getting a lot of complaints from a lot of people. Tone it down. And it's up to them. But if your group organizer isn't aware of it, they can't do anything about it. So do, on a professional level, make them aware of it. Now, or even it, better, talk to that person directly if they're really causing you a problem. Yeah. Yeah, go to them first. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, take a group of friends and go to them. And then if that doesn't work, go to the organizers. But now, Frank, I'm not trying to be all Debbie Downer here on meetup groups. You know, I was just thinking the same thing, too, because honestly, I don't feel any more like myself the way I do around meetup group. Nobody gets me the way around meetup group gets me. (laughs) You know what? You're absolutely true. It is a place that I have found that I can be me, where people get my quirky sense of humor. They get my references. They get, exactly. If I quote some NPC in a game because it's funny in that situation... It would be unfunny to anybody else around us, but that group would laugh and get it. I can wear all my Hearthstone jewelry. I was wearing my bracelet I got the other day. Right. Purple stretch bracelet with little Hearthstones all around Well, that's it. cute. Got complimented on it. At the Hearthstone meetup? At the WoW meetup. Oh, at the WoW meetup. Yeah, okay. they knew what it was. Well, you could still wear it anywhere, but people would not They would not recognize it. it as a Hearthstone. They would just see a purple bracelet. You see what I'm saying? I do. It's just different. They right. get it. Yeah, you could tell someone Lakhtar Gar and anywhere else people would go, what? Or you can sarcastically say Keck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that level of intimacy and camaraderie and friendship comes over time. And that's the biggest thing which we're trying to drive home here is join a group, be part of that group on a regular basis. They're doing stuff, go do it with them. It's just fun. Yeah, and then it takes time to build. It does, but it's worth it. It is well worth it in the end because then you've got a group of friends who not only understand you, but will come help you if you need them to come help you in whatever circumstance it is that you might find yourself in. You know, we moved down downstairs here in yes. the studio. Yes, We did that with help from our friends in the meetup group. Yes, we did. And I definitely need that because I'm pretty useless to that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they were very helpful too. So, I'm like, I can push this cart. Well, we got to load the cart first. Yeah. Yeah. That's the extent of my helping. No, you pushed buttons in the elevator. <laughs> it used to be a job. <laughs> and outside the elevator, call the elevator. You pushed those buttons too. You did. Y'all were taking like a lot, because we have a ton of posters in the studio. Oh, we do. And you guys are you guys started by taking all the stuff off the walls. Yeah, we did. And that is it. There are four walls. <laughs> there are. Most rooms are four walls. And it was, a, it was a chore, and now I think we have more stuff on the walls than we did oh, before. Oh, yeah, we do. 
quite a few things since then. Oh, yeah. A whole shelf full of knickknacks. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> Just a little one. Little one. <laughs> but folks, you know, being social, getting to know other people who love the same things that you do is one of the most valuable things that can be found within a Blizzard community. If you're not part of a social group, we do encourage you to take those initial steps and join one. If you are part of a social group, likewise, we encourage you to step up and make that group the best it can be for everybody in it. And hey guys, give us a rating over on iTunes. We always appreciate those. And uh, they help us be more visible. Help other people find us. want to thank all of you who are our friends on Facebook. And everyone who follows us on Twitter. Don't forget folks, we do have that Patreon page over there at patreon.com forward slash EIPS. That stands for the Excellence in Podcast Studios. If you guys wanted to support us over there, we would greatly appreciate that. Helps us uh, continue to grow the studio and do more fun and exciting things here. And as we close this show... We want to thank you for listening. We love to hear your questions, comments, or any other feedback. Our email is podcast at hearthcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at hearthcastfreck and at hearthcastroot, or just head on over to our Hearthcast Facebook page. You can support Hearthcast by using our Amazon link at hearthcast.com slash Amazon. You can save $3 off your Loot Crate by visiting lootcrate.com forward slash hearthcast and using the offer code hearthcast at checkout. Our Patreon page can be found at patreon.com slash EIPS. And remember, Curse Premium will keep all your in-game add-ons up to date automatically. Please visit hearthcast.com for podcast archives, show information, and more. Until next time, this has been Root and Freckleface. This podcast is part of the D20 Grip Network.